Hello and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hello. Now, if we could be coming at you in 3D, we would be coming at you in 3D. Because today we're doing the 1983, originally presented in Supervision 3D, Treasure of the Four Crowns. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> this, now, this, this movie's incredible. Now, this... Now, it's been a good 40 years since you had seen it. Probably, yeah. I mean, we're talking probably 85 or so, yeah. Yeah, so so close to 40 years. Yeah, yeah. And so this was kind of the first time you've, you've seen it in, in all that time. Yeah, I mean, it's it was essentially like seeing it for the first time. I mean, we watched this a lot. We watched this a lot on HBO, and I remember us specifically acting out bits and pieces as a kid. And I, and I especially remember this guy had like a, you know, this like bright jacket, although in my head it was yellow, I think for some reason it's, it's red and he has several jackets throughout and they're all kind of great. Um, but except for like some bits and pieces and then the vague reminiscence of like, I remember things coming at you in the screen and that it's, you know, sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I really couldn't remember much of it. So it pretty much was like watching this the first time. And I only wish I could purge my memory of this movie so I could watch it again for essentially the first time because I'll never have that again, or at least I'll have to wait like 40 years to watch it again. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not a, it's not a good movie. Um, like if, if you, if you're a fan of this podcast or maybe you're listening for the first time and, and maybe you don't know, like, you know, what is so bad it's good really mean, or what is a good bad movie? What does that really mean? Give me an example. This might be one of the best examples I could possibly come up with. Um, I mean, there's a lot of technical issues with the movie. Sure. But it is one of the most entertaining hour and forty minutes I've ever had, because it just gets crazier and cra- it's, uh, you know, we used to listen to um, how did this get made the the podcast with uh, Paul Shear and his wife and and Jason Matsukas, and the reason why I bring them up, Jason Matsukas especially, is that when he would go off on a movie that he thought was like really out there, really weird, he he would always call it bonkers, and that's that's the term that keeps coming to my mind watching this movie as it is bonkers and it's absolutely bonkers but in such a wonderfully entertaining way I, I enjoyed every minute of it it is insanity that just builds upon insanity and it reaches a crescendo at the end of just like you're seeing it happen and you're still not sure what you're seeing happen is actually what you're seeing happen right like it does not stop getting weirder um the best description and and the more i watched it the more i realized how apt that description was is it's it's sort of like an early, you know, side-scrolling video game from like the Nintendo Entertainment System, where you never really heard of it before. You just kind of picked it up because of the cover, and it's like, well, I like, you know, I like Super Mario, so I'm just going to pick up a side, you know, a side-scrolling platformer. And it's kind of fun. Has really cool parts, really cool things that happen to it. But like many games back then, they had barely any story, if at all, and were perfectly willing to just throw random villains and random story elements at you because it was kind of fun to do in a video game reasons to jump reasons to escape reasons to whatever and that's pretty much what this movie is as if someone took one of those games and filmed it literally into a movie um so far as i know this is not based on a video game so far as i know there was no video game made about it probably should be because you could do it shot for shot and it would be perfectly fine um this movie throws so much at you and it's one of those things where quantity is its own quality, I would say. Um, the effects aren't great. 
um, the, the story is 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 there's a lot to the story, but there's also not at the same time. I just, I don't know. Let's just get into it. But like again, I I don't. I, it's, I'm not going to tell you it's a good movie. Um, no, no one really is. There's a reason why it was forgotten forever. But I will tell you, it absolutely needs to be seen. Well, you, you have is, to see this movie. It's incredible. It is kind of a forgotten movie. I've been collecting movies since the late '80s, and transferred over to DVD in the late 90s. And this was a movie I had wanted to add to my collection really since I started collecting, but it wasn't out there. Right. And it didn't come to DVD. As far as I can tell, the first time it it hit DVD was thanks to Shout Factory in 2014. Yeah. And even then, it didn't get its own release. They, They packaged it with three other movies as one of their action adventure movie marathon collections yeah there's there's only like one or two other people that i like only one other very short podcast and then one like uh like blog that i saw talking about this movie both of them had pretty much the same reaction we did which is it's deliriously amazing um again not necessarily good but if you consider being entertained for two hours a good thing then absolutely it's a Um, super fun movie oh my god yes and um Anyway, the, the uh, uh, at least one of them had mentioned that the only time they had seen it and the only way that they could watch it was on the exact same four pack that you had that this was on. Um, so, so far as I know, at least until it's released by Kino Lorber in what, just about a month, as far as I know, that is still the only way to watch it, except for I think I saw it on like Amazon Prime. I, I didn't, I don't know what the print on Amazon Prime is like. Um, the print on the DVD is clear, but also pretty rough, like the movie itself from a technical standpoint and the, in the transfer to this DVD has issues. There's lots of like black spots, lots of things over the lens. It's a four by three aspect ratio, but honestly, none of that stopped me from just enjoying the story that this thing is trying to tell you. And they just fire it at you. Like if a bunch of kids, like really young kids, five, six, seven years old, are all just playing together, just coming up with like whatever, whatever they can do that's just sounds like the most exciting thing to do like the floor is lava or you know oh we're climbing a mountain where they're doing like the the jungle gym and it's just like a stream of consciousness that's kind of this movie um it's like the most wild you know imagination just put on screen um and if you just roll with it if you just let it go if you just sit there and let the movie wash over you especially for the first time like if you haven't seen this movie and if we've even sold it even a little bit enough, and especially if you're a fan of good, bad movies, try to find this movie. Like, stop the podcast, find the movie, watch it. You'll, you'll, you'll appreciate it. It's it's amazing. Because you will see some stuff you've never seen before. And really, since, um, I mean, Matt, we're, we're, we're not young. And like you said, you've been collecting movies since the 80s. Um, I don't collect as many, but I've been collecting since roughly the same amount of time. We've read lots of comics. We've seen lots of action movies, but and I've played lots of video games, including the sides, like I said, the, the, the kind of crazy side scrollers with just random things thrown at you. And I, I mean, I've never seen anything like this before or since. And it's kind it, of adorably wonderful in that way. It is both unique and completely unoriginal at the same time. Yes, because exactly. There's nothing here, and we'll get into it. There's nothing here you haven't seen before, but it's just all in the right elements. It's right. Like, it, it's like t- take your your uh, any type of, you know, some of these fusion foods they do now. It's like, well, you've you or, or, or I was telling you today about the potato chip and the Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, which is weird. You've had peanut butter. You've had chocolate. You've had potato chips. Nothing there is original. 
but you throw it together in a potato chip peanut butter cup, it's something different. Right. This is this is one of the most original unoriginal movies I've ever seen. Now, as you said, this Kino Lorber will be bringing this to into their Studio Classics collection on Blu-ray. It'll be released in about a month from when we're recording now on um, May sixth. It will yep. be it'll be officially released. You can pre-order it now through both Kino Lorber Studio Classics and on Amazon. And Todd, you've actually you've gone ahead and pre-ordered yourself a copy. Yes, this movie, dude. This movie has me so jazzed after seeing it. Um, I've seen it three times now. I'm I'm watching it in mute as we're having this conversation. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just really stuck with me because for as much as it should fail and technically does, it remains relentlessly entertaining throughout. It's just, it just, it refuses to not be entertaining. It refuses to just laugh at all of your like, hey, what's the deal with the plot? And hey, what's the deal with this scene? And it just says, look, it's, we just hold my beer. We're just going to get cooler and cooler as it goes throughout. And you're just like, okay, <laughs> okay. You spend a lot of time watching the movie going, okay. (laughs) You know, I had been unable to see this movie for 30 years, but it had stuck in my mind and I wanted to find it and I wanted to see it again. And when it finally became available, I'm like, well, I'm getting three other movies with it. It's a no brainer. And I finally got it and I put it in. I'm like, yeah, this is what I remembered. Yeah, you have uh, you. I mean, you've always had a much better movie memory than I do. Like when we do movie quotes and stuff, you clobber me and all of that every time. Um, how much of the movie had you remembered by the time you watched it again? For most of it, I remembered the very beginning and the very ending. Okay, so I only remembered parts of the very beginning, probably because again, we saw it at HBO so much, I must have seen that beginning a million times. All right, so. This was a 3D movie. It came out during a spate of 3D movies in 1983. You had Jaws 3D. You had Friday the 13th 3D. You had Space Hunter Adventures Across the Forbidden Zone. You had Metal Storm, The Destruction of Jared Sin, which is a complete lie. Jared Sin <laughs> survives the movie. And you had this one, and there's probably a few others I'm forgetting. Right. This movie this with one... only three crowns. Yes, and it was tagged as the ultimate modern adventure, and it which was... it is honestly for it. I would say it is now again. Is if you're a film critic, there's an awful lot to to say about this movie, and not necessarily a good way. But I would say it is the ultimate modern adventure for the time, and it maybe clearly, even for now, it's 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 incredible. Clearly, trying to ride the coattails of Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's that kind of adventure film. Sure, that's that's certainly what it's trying to evoke, yeah. You know, booby traps, exotic locations, mystical, you know, supernatural elements to the treasure. I mean, and and it just wrong. It just again, like like Raiders of the Lost Ark, it just moves along at, at a rapid pace. Yes, like I I hope. I hope if you're going to listen to the podcast before seeing the movie, uh, we do it enough justice that you do see it. Because um, I really don't want to give stuff away because it we, really has to be seen to be believed. We won't be able to describe it. There's no, there's no way to describe it and give it justice. 
No, no, there really isn't. Like you, you have to see it. it. It does have to be seen to be believed. And um, that is one of the few like refrains I get from the few people who actually stuck by this movie and bothered to review it or say anything. Uh, because again, it was pretty much unwatchable for 30 years. It didn't appear. And like you said, it didn't appear on, uh, uh, um, on that shout, uh, on that shout TV pack or uh, until relatively recently. So all you would have is maybe an old VHS off of HBO. Uh, it did come out on VHS, so maybe you were fortunate enough to have that. Like, you'd have to be a, basically our age and a real fan of essentially what we're trying to do to know about this movie, much less have been able to see it for the last 30 years or more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, when you even if you, if you saw it as a kid, it probably stuck with you. Yeah, and I can see why. Like, if you have a good memory such as yourself for these things, I can 100% see why it stuck with you. It will stick with me until I somehow forget about it. But now that I have the ability to see it and will have the Blu-ray soon, um, I mean, let me put it this way, and I mean this sincerely, because uh, you, you, uh, you, you, one of the things you didn't mention about the forthcoming Blu-ray is that it will be uh, the same Blu-ray. You'll be able to watch it on 3D Blu-ray if you happen to have that. You'll be able to watch it normally, you know, flat or whatever. You'll also be able to watch it with that uh, red cyan sort of 3D um, film. And they'll, leave, you know, they'll give you the little plastic, um, you know, paper and whatever. You know, like 1950s style, um, you know, 3D glasses to see with it. And like I've even been on Best Buy. I've been looking up like, what would it take to get a 3D Blu-ray player and like a 3 Because I do think this movie would be even better in 3D. Um, I say this not as a joke. I think it's trying to do its 3D effectively. Um, and again, one of the refrains I saw for the very few people who had talked about this is that, you know, the agreement is kind of similar in that, yeah, they're just throwing a lot of stuff at you, but at least they're trying to give you something to see in 3D, where a lot of modern movies, and I've seen a lot of modern movies, I'm talking like in the last 10 years, um, that were done in 3D, like IMAX 3D, this or that, and you might get one, maybe two cool effects that kind of work in 3D, and then you completely forget it's there. This movie, such as it is, is at least trying to do like, look, 3D, 3D, which is what you're there for. So I appreciate them doing that. Yes, there's constantly stuff coming in your yeah. face and being shot at your face and thrown at your face. I mean, not only is it throwing a lot at you in the sense of ideas, but it's throwing a lot at you in the literal sense of stuff coming at the screen. Yes, whether it be kind of interesting where it's like, oh, there's a fireball coming at the screen or mundane, like you're handing something to someone else, but they decide to point it at the screen first <laughs> to hand it to the guy. Now, this was brought to us by the fine folks at the Canon Group. Yep. It stars Tony Anthony. It was directed by Ferdinando Baldi, and it was scored by Ennio Morricone. Yes. So you probably only recognized one name there, folks, and that's <laughs> yes. perfectly understandable. Yes. Ennio Morricone, I, I would hope it would be that name. And the, the honestly, legendary he, film composer. Who probably deserves a spot in our Hall of Fame in some way. We'll have to add some more like technical groups. And it's not that these guys didn't do other things. It's just that Tony Anthony and Ferdinando Baldi did stuff like this right. that hasn't really been, you know, seen by mass audiences. Right. And and Ennio Morricone, among other things, gave us Ecstasy of the Gold, which if you know what that is, then you're nodding your head and smiling in agreement. And if you don't, then basically watch Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. He, he also, as we mentioned, scored thing the th John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes, I think he did. I think his... I don't know if it's still his most recent movie, but
but I I know he did uh, Hateful Eight as well, didn't he? I believe he did. Yeah. So getting into the movie now. Oh, because yes. we do want to encourage people to see it. You know, maybe if they have to wait a month, get the Blu-ray before they listen to this. Because, you know. Yeah. I mean, the newest movie we've talked about is still 20 years old, you know, in this podcast. So we, we don't usually do much restraint on spoilers. But getting into the movie, it starts off again, like Raiders of the Lost Ark. We were introduced to our hero, uh, J.T. Stryker, played by Tony Anthony. And there's pretty much no dialogue for this first portion of the film because it's just him as he is infiltrating the catacombs under a castle out in the wilderness searching for an artifact. And he's got like he's dressed in his sweet red jacket and khaki slacks. And yeah, it's like the beginning of see again, like in in 1983, all you can do is draw comparisons and correctly to, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. In 2022, my head just keeps going to this is a video game. This is absolutely a video game. This is this is told entirely like a video game. The logic is entirely like a video game. I just keep thinking video game. And I think if you just took this movie scene for scene and made it a video game, it would work perfectly fine. Well, you know, anyways, he, as we said, he goes into this castle that seems like it's, you know, for the most part, the exterior is pretty well kept up. You know, yeah. the lawn is mowed. Uh it yeah. looks like a it looks like your typical classic country estate, you know, type of old school mansion slash castle. Right. The kind of thing that would have like a tour group, you know. <laughs> like yes. you, you should see like a bus of people coming up to take pictures of it. Like walk driving right past Tony Anthony as he's sneaking into this ancient hidden castle. You'd almost expect to see like a tour bus driving by. But as he gets down into the catacombs beneath the castle, he's attacked by some sort of, I don't know, vulture, zombie, bird. And a pterodactyl. And a pterodactyl. Like, he's attacked by a bunch of different types of, I think it's different types of birds. I swear there's vultures or turkey vultures. There might be owls. There's definitely a a little pterodactyl. He's attacked by snakes. He's attacked by dogs that are probably supposed to be wolves. Yes, probably. Um, yeah, probably. And in my head, I just insert like 8-bit music. <laughs> yeah. He's falling through floors. He's jumping through, you know, stained glass windows. None of it makes a whole lick of sense, but it's no. fast-paced and entertaining. Yes. And then finally he gets further down where he drops through windows further down into the catacombs apparently and he finds his way into i guess what we will call the burial chamber it is really hard not that it remotely matters but it's really hard to figure out where he must be in this castle as he's going through it like are you going down because you just keep going down but you're also up and then like you don't yeah you have no idea where he is in this castle well, he's constantly crashing through things as he's escaping snakes, dogs, and dodging booby traps. <laughs> True. At one point, there seems to be jungle overgrowth. Yes. There's this long vine he climbs down, and you're like, wait a minute. The, the Are area... we in Peru? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. and, and the area around the castle isn't overgrown, so why no. is the area underneath the castle overgrown with jungle vegetation? And if this is in Spain, where did that snake jungle tropical snake come from? No, we're we're not supposed to be thinking about any of this. We're just supposed to be enjoying it. Again, it's 80s platformer 
video game logic before there was such a thing. So he finds his way to the burial chamber and he, he cracks open the stone sarcophagus and there's, you know, a skeleton inside and this It's glowing eerie, for some reason. Eerie glowing green mist and I also I also sorry to interrupt you, but I also appreciate like just to tell you how this is technically not at all like Raiders of the Lost Ark is he doesn't give uh, JT Stryker doesn't particularly care about the value of all these priceless artifacts that he's around him. He literally tries to blow open the cover of the coffin that has the thing inside that he's trying to like get the priceless artifact that he's trying to get. He, no, he they, they tell us right from the beginning JT Stryker is a mercenary. He's being paid to recover. It's in the this, opening Star Wars. Crawl, this yeah. key, yes, yes. So he gets the key, and instantly the movie tells us that this is the world of Supernatural. Okay. Because now not only is he going to be attacked by more booby traps, you know, things falling from the ceiling, things shooting out of walls, but he is going to be straight up attacked by ghosts. Yes. And they start shooting these crossbows at him. You don't see the ghosts. You hear them laughing, and you see the floating crossbows and 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 pirate pistols. And now he's right back to dodging and, and stuff shooting at the screen, and he's doing flips and twirls and somersaults and, you know, all the while chaos is, Absolutely is, is chaos, happening yes. around him. Chaos, disembodied laughter, yeah. Like, um, again, a, a, a video game logic. You, you picked up the treasure, and you think you're done. You're waiting for the credits, or you're waiting for it to go to the next scene or whatever, but nope, like, the whole level just goes after you at once. Yes. And, boy, did they come at him with everything. Mm-hmm. Because even after he escapes, everything starts, the ground around him starts exploding. Yes. Yes, the place wasn't just booby-trapped with your typical, like, you know, spike traps and pits and, and nets and things. It was apparently, like, wired for destruction as well. Regardless, he escapes with the king, and we find out he's working for these two guys that tell him the legend of the Four Crowns and how the Visigoths created these crowns, and the crowns contain the secrets of the universe— and the power of good and evil, and in the right hands, they can save mankind or destroy mankind, blah, blah, blah. What do you say? Will you help us get the crowns? Because the crowns are now being held by some crazy cult in the mountains. And we get a pretty cool presentation with that. Um, I thought that was a pretty effective presentation when they're doing the... Um, I mean, this is essentially the equivalent of the scene where, uh, I think it's Brody, right, is telling Indy about the story of the Ark and all that. Um, so this is kind of like that analog, but I, I thought they did it fairly effectively. I thought it was kind of fun, but yeah, now it's a, now it's a movie about a cult. Yes. A kind of, a what, like a James Jones crossed with, I don't even know what it's run by a guy named brother Jonas. They live in this, this he's fortified got a, castle. And- he's got a triforce of power painted on his head for some reason. Everybody's got to give him their worldly possessions to come into the cult, but they'll be, you know, part of the family and what have you. We're not going to go a lot into it because they don't. the movie doesn't go a lot into it. No. This movie isn't about exposition and explaining things. It's about moving along to the next sequence and throwing more stuff at the screen and having more stuff happen. Yes. And, and as... 
as much as that is rightfully not great technically, again, from a critical perspective of a movie, it's it works for this for, for entertainment value. Oh, I'm okay yeah. with it because as we said, everything is so familiar, nothing really needs to be explained. You've it's, seen it all before. Right. You can draw your own conclusion. And in fact, in that scene, two two of the funnier parts of that scene are one where he's just like, Oh, you believe in all of this this is striker, right? Like you you believe in all of this mumbo jumbo and he's like, um, did you not remember what happened to you like literally a day ago or however long it was ago when he got the thing and all hell broke loose? And he ends the scene pretty to me definitively saying no not interested but then in the very next scene they're like you know getting the group together to like go pull off this heist because it's also a heist movie yes he at first he refuses to join them in getting these crowns because he doesn't believe in the supernatural despite being attacked by every possible supernatural thing but again yeah and then it's there's no scene of them going back to convince them no he's just suddenly in on it and now they're assembling their team and first, they assemble his mountain climber, who, of course, is now a boozed-out drunk living in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. And you will learn the definition of stagger um, in all of its many forms, because uh, what's his, I don't even know his name. Who's, who, who's the guy with the mustache? Like, the, the, the guy who hired him in the first place. Do you know his name? I, I don't Does remember matter? anybody's name but J.T. Stryker and Socrates and Popo the Clown, because, no, none of the names matter. Right, right. Oh, and Brother Jonas. Well, what about Liz? There's Liz. Liz, um, but she's she's the female character. Right, <laughs> the, the, right, the female character. Yeah. Um, there's all of what nine characters in this movie. I mean, there's more people. There's plenty of extras, but sure. the movie really doesn't have more than our, our our few basic characters. No, it's got some of the fastest credits I've ever seen in my life. The credits are over in like ten seconds. So. At first, they recruit, you know, who he's he's drunk out of his mind when they find him. And all of a sudden, the keys that he stole from the, the crypt at the beginning starts acting weird and actively trying to escape. The it, key just starts floating around and looking for a way out of the cabin. Right. While dishes explode and cups fall off the wall and more chaos and stuff is thrown at the screen. More supernatural shenanigans. Well, apparently that was enough to sober up their mountain climber, and he's in. Yep. So they're off to the next guy, and the next guy is Socrates, who is a circus strongman who's dying of a heart condition, but he doesn't really tell us that outright. And his daughter, who is an aerialist trapeze artist, and they're the next two that, well, the last two, really, that J.T. Stryker wants to bring onto the team. Well, well, there's exactly like one, I'll call it real movie scene in the movie, and it's when Popo, Socrates' friend, he's like a clown in, at the circus, is, you know, concerned uh, that Socrates is, you know, you can't do this, your heart and all that. And it's kind of a sweet little dramatic scene that's just put into this movie, I think, just to prove that they could do it. And Popo the Crown, played by Lewis Gordon, is my Whit Bissell Award winner for this movie. Almost by default. Because he's the but, only other character. <laughs> is it? Well, but that, and it is a rather, it is a rather heartfelt scene. It is. You know, it's well done. Obviously, Popo has been a longtime friend with Socrates. Yeah. And in his brief scene with him, he does say, you know, you say, you've always told me that this JT Stryker guy is nothing but trouble. And, you know, I'm going to miss you if you don't come back. 
And that's when Socrates even says, like, I got maybe two years left and I'm being offered one hundred thousand dollars to go on this 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 heist. Him and and that's something. Yes, he and Liz will each get one hundred thousand. And that's something I can leave for her. She'll be all set up for that. And that's quite reasonable to understand why he would go along. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And it's it's a, it's an effective scene, like just thrown into the middle of this movie of like ridiculous and arguably sloppy or at least cheesiness um, for sure effect. Um, this is kind of put it and it and it, and it works. So I'm going to I'm going to piggyback. I'm going to piggyback on your Whit Bissell choice because my the choice I wanted to make is really silly, but I have to I have to. But that that'll happen very shortly. So uh, well, sorry, go ahead. So now that they've assembled the team, they go back to the mustache guy and the professor, who are the guys that are behind the... Well, we should also mention know. Liz is the acrobat. Yes, his daughter Liz yeah. is the... the I, I, I thought I had mentioned that. But she's the trapeze artist. And they will all have, we, as we are about to find out, they all, there's reasons that each of these people have been brought on board. Mm-hmm. Because the professor and the mustache guy, who are hiring them to retrieve the stones in the crowns that are like i said the embodiments of one is probably all of evil in a in a jewel and one is all of good in a jewel pretty much is what they say yeah uh, like I said, one is like those... latin for diamond which i think is the good one and the other one's like i want to say greek for diamond and that's the evil one why yeah. i don't know and and, and none of it matters it's just no. again we're, we we no. need a reason for this action sequence to happen and here's why all that truly matters is in roughly the exact mid part of this movie. After the after the team is assembled, they go like you were saying. They go back to Mustache Guy and the I don't know museum curator or whoever it is who wants the these, professor. He's the professor. To as the professor. Sorry, the professor who wants these crowns so much. And you get which I know it's going to sound like I'm just being clever and dumb and silly, and maybe I am. But since there's no other award to give, the Whitbissell Award that I would have given is to an inanimate object. But it's the most amazing map reveal in any movie ever. In fact, this is and I and this I do truly mean. Like, um, it's one of my favorite movie props of all time. Like for real, it gets better and better and better. Now I'll admit, uh, you know, I saw again. I saw this as a young boy, played with a lot of action figures. Still secretly kind of want to because I'm still a young boy at heart. Played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, so I'm, you know, I like models and like little miniatures and things. And this thing is just incredible um the model of the mountain fortress of the cult it steals the show like it i mean of course really the end steals the show but up until this point like this thing is ridiculous it is so awesome and it gets better and better and better as they show it it even has lights and sounds it's amazing i love this thing i want it so bad um because they show the fortress and the in every detail, in <laughs> whoever they paid detail. to make this, whoever they paid to make this model was not paid enough because it is incredible. Whoever it is is a genius, and I love them. Like, um, if I if I if I can if I can just make up a technical award for like best movie props for the Hall of Fame, this is like absolutely going in number one because the next closest thing I could give it would be like a character actor award. And it's an, it's an inanimate object, but it's one of the best movie props I've ever seen. 
It's it's unreal. Like I love a, in a, in a heist movie, especially I love a good map scene. I love the scene where they're like, all right, we're gonna figure things out, and here's and usually you get maybe a cool one, or if it's modern, you might get like you know a computer generated like hologram or whatever. You get some pretty neat stuff, but this thing is just off the rails amazing. They go through every detail in miniature. It's incredible. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's it kind of steals the show for me at least until the end, which is just amazing. Yes, and they basically explain, like, they got this cool mountain fortress, heavily armed guards, but the reason they're going to do the the heist of the, the crowns at this particular time is because this is the time of year that the cult does their new initiations. Yep. And there'll be this big elaborate ceremony going on, and most people will be paying attention to that, and they'll be able to infiltrate the fortress infiltrate the booby trap chamber that the crowns are being kept in, steal the crowns, escape, and, you know, bring bring the, I don't know, save mankind with the power of the stones. Sure, sure. I guess that's what they're going for. Yeah, like, it's still, it's still, te- I mean, except for the fact that they don't want Jonas to have them, and they assume that they can use this power for, you know, wield the power for good. Um, it's, yeah. Um, what's also Because not- it doesn't seem that Brother Jonas... As wacky as he apparently is, knows what, entirely what he has because he's right. not using the stones. Right. Like he knows the significance that they're really important, or at least he's made them that way as the symbol for whatever his religion is, because he does refer to them, but he doesn't seem to have any clue as to what they really are. No. No. And and when he at, at one point when he's during the ceremony, when he's doing one of these, I am going to cure this girl of what makes her sick. You find out quickly it's all a scam and the girl's in on it, pretending to be sick for him to cure her. Yeah, because it's also an exorcism movie, really quickly. And yes. it's actually a pretty cool scene. I mean, the acting's really done. Like, I wasn't sure, you know, with all this movie throws at you. Like, sure, I'm, t- I'm totally willing to believe she's possessed by something. Why it's, not? it's a Raiders of the Lost Ark type movie. There's an exorcism. There's, and like you said, now we're going to get to the heist scene. And now, this has been an hour at least an hour, but it doesn't feel like we've been watching the movie for an hour. No, it's it's very quickly paced. The the slowest, the two slowest scenes, one that we're going to get to, and the other that we already mentioned, where he's kind of assembling the team and he's he's picking up the um the drunk mountain climber and the other guy at the um you know Liz and, and Socrates at the at the um, circus. Um, they're relatively short, so they they almost they only feel like they drag because the rest of the movie is just stuff 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 stuff. Um, when they're not doing that, it's like oh wow this this part kind of drags, but it's like minutes long. It's it's nothing. It doesn't really drag. It's just you were just expecting yet yet more things to be thrown at you. So again, to steal the video game analogy, that would have been like the cutscene. So it's quickly established that to get to the crowns, once to, to, they have to infiltrate the fortress infiltrate the hall the crowns are being held in and then they can't touch the floor or the walls because the slightest amount of pressure will set off an alarm yep the floor is lava they have to get past an electric gate the gates are lava and they have to not set off these booby traps that will start shooting um basically arrows out of the walls at them and they have to then get to the statue the crowns are being held on and then get to the top of the chamber so they can cut their way through the iron bars at the windows so they can get to the roof and escape by a helicopter that's going to pick them up. Yep. 
Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Easy peasy. So we immediately cut to them now at the fortress, and we see them, you know, basically running around outside while the, the, the shenanigans of the cult are going on. And, you know, they, they make their way into the chamber, and that's where we realize, okay, so they have the mountain climber guy along because he's going to have to string ropes, ropes along the ceiling. <laughs> they have uh, Liz along as the trapeze artist because she's going to do some acrobatics and aerialist routine to get their ropes in position so that they can move along the ropes. And Socrates, the strong man is, you know, basically going to be the counterweight to help hold and lift people up and down this pulley system to help them get over the electric gate and interfere with the electronics to shut down the security system. Now, I hope you're as surprised as I am that they put as much thought as they did through this because it does actually all make sense. Yes. It's a totally sensical thing to do. It's like, good for you, movie. And Mustache Guy and J.T. Stryker are along because... Uh, so anyways, they they conduct... Well, I, I mean, J.T. I guess kind of makes sense, but Mustache Guy, I can only assume he's there just to make sure they don't, like, run off with the crowns or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Stryker does participate. He's the one that has to... Uh, be lowered by a rope just inches away from the electric gate in order to place the um, electronic MacGuffins that will help override the security system. Mm -hmm. and, and again, like in a day, in a day that we were watching this originally at the ages of like eight and 10, 10, 11, whatever, whatever we were relatively young and, you know, without, many or certainly as many video games and options as we have now you're mostly playing pretend in the backyard in your bedroom or whatever so you can definitely see why this movie would have stuck and um all the different parts that you could play out and enjoy because it's because like the rest of the movie kind of becomes the floor is lava yes yeah it's it's again it's almost like them trying to get into like in oceans 11 trying to get into the vault yeah like we said a heist movie you know it really just does become a heist movie. And this wouldn't be an adventure film if things didn't go wrong. Sure. And let me tell you, folks, no matter what we say, I don't think we can prepare you for how this movie ends. No, no. I gave a literal... I mean, I won't swear just in case, but I gave a literal... WTF and um, Matt, you you know this for a fact because we watched this together, and I hadn't remembered. Like all you said was, you know, wait, you know, wait till you see how crazy the ending is, or something along those lines. And yeah, like it just there's no preparation for it. There's just and, you just let it happen. And we've already in the the opening of this movie is pretty insane with all the you know supernatural stuff and it's important that they kind of did show us that at the beginning yes because this is a supernatural style ending and fortunately it doesn't kind of the supernatural part doesn't come out of nowhere like think of the ending of raiders of the lost ark where they open the ark sure and all this stuff comes out and all it's right obvious that the ending of raiders of the lost ark clearly clearly inspires the ending of this movie 
Oh, for sure. Or if not the entirety of the movie. Because like in Raiders, the only other indication you get is that one scene where you have that like weird kind of whirring sound and like the, the, the Nazi double eagle or whatever gets like burned off of the case that the Ark is in. That's the only time where you're like, oh, that's something interesting going on. Um, but that's about it. It's not it's not terrifically supernatural. Otherwise, it's it's mostly like very real things that India is fighting and trying to avoid. I mean, I mean, suffice to say that you know they unfortunately uh, the alarm ends up going off. The armed cultists storm the room with machine guns, just as J.T. Stryker is opening the crowns with his keys to get these gems. And I, I, again, I can't really. I say we don't even try. I think, I mean, because again, if you haven't seen this movie, if you decided to listen to the podcast first, fine. Well, but you, let's try to keep something because uh, it's just, it's, 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 you ain't seen anything like it. You haven't. I'm sorry. You just haven't. It's a head spinning scene. Would you agree to that? It is absolutely a head spinning scene. Yes. And it is. Chock full of chaos and special effects and wrath of gods type of or wrath of good and evil colliding. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's it's insane. It is absolutely insane. Again, to steal to steal from Jason Matsukas, it's completely bonkers. Um, it's completely bonkers. Like that is, that is the most apt name. That is the most apt description I can give this movie. Like if to describe, if you describe this movie in one word, it's just bonkers. It's totally bonkers. And I love it. It's adorably bonkers. And I love it. And, and by the end of it, only two of our, you know, group of heroes are still alive. And if you've seen a movie before, you can probably figure out which two are are the ones that survive at all. Right. Yeah. And, uh, this isn't so much a spoiler as in that, you know, the hero decides that these gems are just too powerful for anybody to take hold of and leaves them behind to be destroyed by their own magic. I mean, we sure hope and not some like random cult dude just walks by and goes, oh, cool, a pair of gems. Because well, then, pretty- then we have like a supervillain type of thing happen. It's pretty well. It looks like they're destroyed. Like maybe even like the what happens sucked all the magic out of them. I don't know. It's like I said, it's just insane. But even then, there's the indication that like, well, even though it's over, maybe it isn't over. Of course, but it is over because there was never a sequel. Right. Right. Um, fever dream is another thing that comes to mind to describe this movie. Just. I get like if you if you're not like if you're a fan of good bad movies, absolutely get it. If you're not sure, or if you want to know like what is a good bad movie, I need an example of a good bad movie. This is probably my favorite good bad movie uh, like ever already. Um, and you have the opportunity to be the one that brings this to your friends because yeah, not a whole lot of people have seen this. There hasn't been many opportunity to. Um, again, it, it's not like it did terribly well uh, critically or anything. So there's you know there are reasons for that, but. Uh, if you can appreciate it, I please watch it. It's it's you've you've haven't seen anything like it, but you also have, but you also haven't, but you also have. <laughs> you know? Well, prior to this film, they made a movie called Literally Coming At You, mm-hmm. and it is a dreadfully boring western. 
I never watched it. Well, I watched it all the way through, but I'll be honest, I watched it all the way through by fast forwarding through most of it because it is so tedious. All they were concerned about in that movie was literally sending things at you. Arrowhead, snakes, and all that. You can almost say it was a trial run for this movie. And they realized that, okay, we can't just send things at the screen. We have to provide some sort of entertainment as well. And they learned from their mistakes. Because in this movie, like it's just chock full of craziness. Yep. I mean, just the opening sequence alone is almost like you, you can. If anybody, if, if listener, if you've been to Disney World or Universal Studios or any of those big, you know, theme parks, most of them have one of those 3D style movie rides. Mm-hmm. The opening of this movie is almost the embodiment of that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It is, it is almost in and of itself a thrill ride that if you if you have something like you can motion control and sit in a chair, it is just nonstop chaos and madness as he infiltrates this crypt and every type of conceivable. Well, I mean, he's not attacked by UFOs, but that's about know. the only thing he's not attacked by. <laughs> But not only that, like there's there's no break really between him. Just as he's getting away from the the bat pterodactyl vulture thing that flies at him, he's fallen down something. And just as he's getting himself back up, the dogs slash wolves are attacking him. And just as he escapes the wolves by climbing away from the wolves follow him up somewhere and then he has to jump through a window and now he's in the crypt and now the skeletons are coming alive to get him and there's there's laughing and there's there's floaty things shooting at him and spears coming out of walls and s- giant snakes coming at him I, it's just craziness and and then they drop the most and then like right in the middle of the movie they they drop the most lovingly crafted model huge model i've ever seen just for the sake of it being a model like this i mean maybe they used it as like a as like a you know miniature effect type of thing later in the movie not not that i noticed anyway um but like its sole purpose was just to be there like as a model like okay we're going to come in this way and we're going to do that you get a very similar scene in um in uh, dirty dozen you know where they're going through like okay you know when they're going through their steps you know they're going through the whole chant that I can't remember. Um, you get it. You get that same scene kind of parodied in Top Secret, but this is even better than the Top Secret parody. Like in Top Secret, when they're going through the thing and it starts off with just some scratches in the sand, but then slowly morphs into like this really elaborate setup. This is even better than that. It's and it's not even a parody. Um, in fact, this movie would almost be brilliant if it was more self-aware and it called itself a parody. <laughs> of an action movie where it's not but if you treat it that way it's yeah <laughs> it's it's incredible this movie's just incredible and it, like, they don't take time to really bother to explain they don't even nope. develop you would they think that they didn't that... take time to explain that he was actually going to go on the mission it was just nah i'm done i'm out of here and then okay i guess we're doing it the opening crawl kind of sets you up for there is like you said the the, the movie opens with like a star wars type opening crawl that doesn't really explain much of anything really 
Nope, but it's all the explanation you need, I guess, at yeah. the same time. Well, because, like, you, you would almost think they would devo- develop a romance between our hero, J.T. Stryker, and Liz, the acrobat girl, because they know each other. Yeah. So there's a basis. But this, it's, nope, we don't have time for that. Yeah. We, we got this. There's no way to do anything 3D with that. Let's just, just go, you know, get them to the, get them to the mountain fortress and, and, and go. The only characters with any sort of like story are, are like, okay, we know the, um, we know the climber has been through some rough stuff and has been drinking like literally every day for the last five years, um, himself into a stupor. Uh, and then we know like Socrates and that's kind of like, again, that's kind of like a real movie scene where they're trying to get him to like, you know, I don't know, snap out of this is 80s. Like this is how you deal with it in the 80s, right? You just ah, snap out of it. You know? But they got they clearly got bored with that because that's when yep. the key starts to float around and cause all sorts of supernatural chaos. Right. And then later on, you have that Socrates and the only other character in the movie who isn't part of the group, um, Bobo or Popo, um, having their little, you know, heart to heart. That's it. Everybody else is just there. <laughs> like you're just in the movie. We're doing this. And then it doesn't matter because the, the stuff they throw at you is so crazy. Again, it's sort of like if it's it's sort of like if you were playing um Super Mario Brothers for the plot and plot development and story development, you, I don't know what to tell you, but it's still a great game. If you and like we mentioned, we were enamored by that model in Oh my in, god, I still am sequence. I will never forget it. It's it, again. I, I. It might be the greatest movie prop, and I mean this not just to dream, try to be fair to a bad movie. I legitimately mean it when I say it might be the greatest movie prop I've ever seen. If you weren't found that a little boring, well, by the end of the scene, the key tries to escape again. So, right. So you get another bit of supernatural chaos. You know, the, the, it was like, you know, it, it really was. They probably even timed it out. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in the production says every, even if we're not in the middle of an action sequence, every 15 minutes, something has to happen. And it certainly feels that way. It's like, it, it, again, it feels like it's paced like a video game before they had video games paced like this. This, this could have been. I know I already said it, but I'll say it yet again. You could take this movie shot for shot, put it inside the context of a video game and not have to change anything. Not, nothing at all. It'll make just as much sense. It'll be hell of fun to play. And, you know, like you said, the movie's an hour and 40 minutes, but it feels like an hour tops. If that, yeah, exactly. It just I was stunned at how long it actually by. was. And it's not like it's it's a true hour forty minutes. It's not like you know hour thirty and then ten minutes of credits because the credits are maybe thirty seconds long, if that twenty seconds long. It's nothing. And you know, I I, I wish I could experience this movie in three D, but due to my vision, possible. But they like like we said, they don't they don't skimp on the three D. No, I mean to the they know point of for. where they re- re- repeat the same footage three times in a row in rapid succession. <laughs> Just to make sure you saw it. Yeah. Just so you definitely had something to see that was coming at you. Yeah. Um, and, and as dumb as that sounds, and it kind of is, I am all in to try to see it. Like I, I told you, I, I, I may very well find myself with some 3D equipment just, just for this specific movie. That's how much it has enamored me since we watched it, what, Friday or whatever night it was. Yeah, it's just so much fun. I wish I could see it for the first time again. I I, I almost I almost want to just hide this movie for the next I, fifteen years just so I can watch it again for the first time. 
I truly envy anybody who is going to get to see this movie for the first time again. Please, yeah, please do, especially if it's your first time, uh, and then c- tell us how, what you thought. We, we, I have to know. I have to know what enough people think of this movie. Maybe it's just us. It can't. Well, I know for a fact it's not. It's it's me, you, and two other people on the internet. <laughs> oh, there's there's definitely other out people out there. There's definitely there's a cult following to this movie. Otherwise, Kino Lorber wouldn't even be bothering with it. That's a good point. Like... Was, I, I believe there was probably enough interest shown in this. For this, this four pack of movies that you know somebody out there says hey you know there is an audience for this movie maybe Shout Factory didn't think it was enough for them to do anything with it but Kino Lorber clearly has because they really seem like they're they're putting a lot into it. I'm so glad they are because if, if you think about it and I understand like if it's 1984 or 1985 I don't know how well the VHS would have done because I can imagine a lot of people at the time I didn't know any better, except for the fact that when you watch it, you can tell, oh, this was obviously supposed to be in 3D. Um, but it's not like I ever had a chance to watch it in 3D. Like, we could only see it as it was, flat, as it were, on HBO. Um, but I could understand, you know, the folks who would have been responsible for producing physical copies of this movie being like, well, especially up until the mid-2000s when 3D Blu-ray came around, Um I could definitely see them being like, look, there's no way to watch this in 3D. The movie doesn't hold up, or at least having the thought that the movie doesn't hold up without it. So what's the point? And I have a feeling that's a lot of the reason why it was forgotten and not really produced, because it's just like, ah, it's a 3D spectacle. Can't see it in 3D. What's the point? It's not that good on its own. But it's unfortunate because it totally is that good on its own. Maybe not for the reason they intended. But if they intended it to be entertaining for an hour and 40 minutes, then damn it, it was very entertaining for an hour and 40 minutes. It's a thrill ride. It it really yeah. is. Go and you grab a soda. I wouldn't advise drinking or partaking in any hallucinogenic drugs because it may kill you. It may actually break your brain. It, it, it um, may blow your mind, literally, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you're going to be in for, for a, a good fun time. Yeah, yeah. And again, you could be the one that brings this movie to your friends because chances are decent they haven't seen it. No, if you've got friends and you enjoy hanging around watching crazy types of movies, like the stuff that you would probably normally see on MST3K or, yeah. you know, just just the different type of, you know, cheesy good time, but you know, Roger Corman or Asylum. This was a movie that the Asylum would have been had made. Yes. You know, the, the, the creators of Sharknado and, and stuff like that. This yeah. would almost be one of one of the things they, they would have. Right. The only thing is, and probably for the worse, those would have been self-aware, where the fact that this movie is not just kind of helps it, I think. Because it makes all of the stuff that happens, even though you've set yourself up, like, from the beginning, to be like, okay, I guess I could, should be prepared for anything. You're still not prepared. You're not. You could be prepared for anything, but you're not. No, again, I wasn't. just as you 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 think you've seen everything crazy that you could possibly see, it gets crazier. It really does. Like, um, my my fear before we started watching it again was like, oh, the only good or interesting part will be the first ten or fifteen minutes that I vaguely remember, and then it'll be really dull, and then maybe it'll have a good ending. Oh no, no, this was fun as hell to the whole thing. 
Fun is the best way to put it. It's oh, a yeah. fun movie. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else you could you got to say? No, but I am interested to in seeing how you uh, connect this to the Magnificent Seven. I mean, Tony Anthony's been in other things, including a lot of westerns. So that I'm guessing that's going to be the route. But well, it, it's not, unfortunately. I, there was only one way I could think of doing without cheating. So. But before that, what are your? Do you have any recommendations for other films? Like I mean, beyond this? the obvious, like, well, there's nothing like this. I mean, even the movie that it's trying to like sort of emulate, and the case, probably the most being Raiders of the Lost Ark, and probably at the time Temple of Doom as well. Um, they're nothing like this. I mean, are they better movies? Of course, but you got to see this. You just have to. Like, I, I'm not even going to bother to try to recommend other stuff to give you the opportunity that you might decide to watch those movies instead when you really need to see this. I'm going to recommend uh, the Chuck Norris, Lou Gossett Jr. adventure movie, Firewalker. Okay. Which I've recommended before. But it's the same type of fun spirit to the movie. And also uh, an Italian movie called Raiders of Atlantis. Okay. Uh, which is also known as Atlantis Interceptors, which is just another just movie that builds crazy upon crazy. I'll and have to you watch can, that. You can currently see it on Tubi TV for free. If you know to to be, and I think you can see it on Amazon Prime if you rent it for like ninety nine cents. Okay, so you don't have it. I don't. Okay, but I saw it on Prime a few years ago when it was streaming for free on Prime, and man, is it a weird movie? Okay, I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. And it's it's again, it's one of those just just bizarre, weird, but a whole lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's one of those like if you watch the Italian exploitation movies of the late 70s and early 80s, you get a lot of these movies where they're just putting a whole lot of like different ideas together to make one big crazy idea. Like one of my favorites is um, 2019 after the fall of New York, which pulls elements from. Road Warrior, Mad Max, Escape from New York, Planet of the Apes, and the Warriors. All, you know, all this type of craziness. Like, they couldn't decide what they're going to rip off, so let's just rip off all of it. Is that the one with, like, the dancing gang? The dancing, like, cabaret gang? Or is that Bronx Warriors? That's Bronx Warriors. Okay. But it's still that type of same, same outrageousness. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah, I'm going to recommend Firewalker, Raiders of Atlantis, and what the heck, I'm just going to throw 2019 after the fall of New York in there as well. Okay. Good choices. As far as getting this to the Magnificent Seven, the only thing I could think of off the top of my head was Ennio Morricone. Ah. He did the cut. Well done. He, He composed The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And the good, the bad, and the ugly starred Eli Wallach, who was in the Magnificent yeah. Seven. That's right. That's right. Well, I didn't even think of any of Morricone. He should have, but yeah, didn't even think of any of Morricone. I was so happy to see that he'd done the score because I'm like, <laughs> well, there it is. Well done. You survive another round. Oh, I because I, 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 you know, I think if I looked up Tony Anthony, maybe I could find something he'd been in. Or maybe even uh, uh, Ferdinando Baldi, I might have found something he directed with somebody, you know. But 
I would have had to look it up. It's not something I would have known off the top of my head. I got you. Like in my head, when I saw, and it's not like I looked through every single one of them, but when I saw that Tony Anthony had done like a lot of his fair share of spaghetti westerns, I just assumed you must have seen one of them, which you probably have and just didn't realize that was him. For all I know, he did something in Italy with Charles Bronson or, right. you know, uh, Lee Van Cleef. I, I don't right. know, but um, I would have to look that up. Um, yeah, man. See this movie like the one uh, and, and thank, thankfully it is on Prime, because if you're like if you're if you're if you're Googling it now and you're looking at the would be prices of the Blu-ray, like I do admit the trepidation. So um, I believe it's on Prime streaming. Is it on Prime Streaming? I didn't see that. I, I swear it is. I mean, it might be something you could rent on Prime, but um, I didn't see it there. I swear it was. It might be. It might be one of those ones that it's like you have to sign up for some, uh, you know, some other channel or something when you do it. But. Well, like you said, we like we said, uh, Kino Lorber is definitely bringing this out. I know the unfortunately the Shout Factory four pack that I have it on is out of print and can go for some uh, outrageous prices on the aftermarket. But I mean, like, the the pre order for the Blu Ray is only about twenty bucks, so that ain't bad. Yeah, no, I mean it's worth it. It's worth it, but if you're not willing to take our word for it, I, I could understand why, like, if you were like, okay, they say this movie's technically bad, so bad it's good, but is it $20 so bad it's good? I think so, which is why I'm buying it. You think so, which is why you're buying it. But I, I can understand, you know, I, I could understand if maybe this, if you have 20 bucks, maybe this is not necessarily the movie you're going to watch. Well, I'd ask our listeners if we'd let them down so far. But I'm afraid of the answer, so I'm not going to. This is also very true. Yeah. No, it's it's weird. Um, there is a link for it, but it's also saying it's not available to watch in our location. So I, I don't know. Maybe in some different. It's a tough one. It, it really is. Like you, 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 you really ought to see it. <laughs> you really should. Um, whether or not you want to take that plunge, heck, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, obviously, they're releasing the Blu-ray for a reason. They expect people to buy it. So maybe other maybe other people will blog and review it. Um and, and maybe that'll help build up your question. But if you want to be in on the ground floor of something that not a lot of people are talking about, it probably should. This is, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. This, this movie's amazing. Well, as always, if you do want to, you know, join in the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMattsRoyce. Follow us on Twitter at MovieMattsRoyce, one word. M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. Um, on Instagram, also at Movie Matt Royce, all one word. And on Facebook at the Movie Asylum of Weird, Bad, and Wonderful. Which, this is all of those things. It's weird, bad, and wonderful. So that, there we go. It is almost the embodiment of that, yes. Yes, it is, it is, it is all of those things for sure. And as always, we thank you for listening and hope to have you back next time. Yes, thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, I see the movie. Just, just see it. It's, it's incredible.